Alright, what's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmaker's Corner. I am one of your co-hosts, Simon Voyanos. And I'm Cody Stoffer. And I'm Liam Hughes. And here we're gonna continue our little series on JUCOs, football JUCOs, that is, in America. And we're gonna kick this off by talking about Last Chance U. Uh, specifically the most recent season of last chance you over at laney college in oakland california but before we get into that i'm gonna give a quick breakdown of what juco's are and their role in the football world so basically and you know this is going to come up a lot when we talk about last chance you juco's really are some of the last chances for a lot of football players to get to the next level you know wherever that might be juco's may be just a little bit of a step up from high school to be honest but there are some JUCOs that are definitely, you know, pretty comparable to some FCS or D2 type of schools. The thing is that, you know, obviously there are some resources and stuff that they don't have comparable to those schools. But they get pretty close, though, I would say. And, you know, every JUCO program is different because some JUCO, and it depends the state, because each state is is totally different, you know, so... For California, for example, they can't give out scholarships for JUCOs. So all the kids there and all the kids in this latest season of Last Chance U over at Laney, all of them aren't on any sort of um, athletic scholarship. So, oh, and as well, some in California, especially, I don't know about all of the JUCOs there, but at least at Laney, there aren't dorms there which in previous episodes of Last Chance U, there's always been dorms. And so, you know, each junior college JUCO is different. Like some will have more facilities than others, right? But, you know, generally, I guess the more that the average JUCO won't have as great facilities as they do, because it really is just a community college and kids just live with their parents or whoever, and they, they go there and, you know, to play football, to get better. And honestly, JUCOs aren't, it isn't the worst option to say, you know, because honestly, everyone really does have a chance um, to a degree. Like, I don't think they really cut people unless it's, you know, for a really good reason. But JUCOs really are a good option. If you play against the right JUCOs, you will get attention from from a school, from a D1, D2, D3. And trust us, you know, these D1 or honestly, these colleges in general are always looking at the JUCOs because there's always that diamond in the rough. You know, and kids who go to JUCO, sometimes they are looking for that next chance, but some of them already had that chance to go play college or they had that chance in high school to go play college, but their grades weren't right. So for them to go to a JUCO, this is more like, I guess, not a step back, but a step forward in a way, but it's a step where they really got to work hard and they got to be on top of their own grind to make sure that they, they get to where they want to be. You know, because nobody's going to baby them. Let's be honest. There's, oh my gosh, some of these rosters are over 80 or 90 players. So to stand out, you really got to stand out. First off, your grades have to be good. That's a given. That really shouldn't even be a problem, to be honest. And if it is, then no no college is going to look at you like that unless your grades are right and you could actually get into the school, right? So that's that. But for other kids, you know, on the last episode, we did talk about Chad Kelly. You know, maybe they got in trouble at their last school. And so, okay, they need a year to mature. So they go to a JUCO. They get humbled. You know, this happened to Chad Kelly for a little bit. This happened to Cam Newton, plenty of other players. 
they take that year to you know get humbled you know really really figure out what it's like to you know play play football you know and be on that grind and be i guess responsible for yourself honestly because if they can't do that on the juco level then they can't do that on any college level or even the pro level so there you go so those are a couple reasons why players go to JUCOs. And then another reason is maybe they don't get the playing time they want. So they go to a JUCO so they could get, you know, a little bit more film show that, hey, you know, I'm not just a high school, like a good one of a kind, like high school athlete. I could also be good on the college level, you know, and then they get uh, more offers from there. So, yeah, I believe I covered all the reasons why someone may go to a JUCO. But anyways, let's jump into it. So with this series, we're going to, well, the Juco series in general, we're going to talk a bunch of Juco players. We're going to do breakdowns, and we're also going to do a review of Last Chance U, like I was just saying. So we are eventually going to get to all the seasons, but we're going to start with Laney College in Oakland, California. So episode one, how, how should we approach this? Let's just talk initial reactions. Who were the main characters or people to y'all? That stood out, whether it's coaches, players, whoever, for good reason or bad reason. Well, I'll go ahead and start off. So just as far as a quick synopsis goes, Laney College at the time of this recording is the defending national junior college champions. Right. Yes. And yeah. therefore also the state defending champs in California at the junior college level. So big expectations, big spotlight. And also some big name players. They had a couple of guys go up to the D1 level, specifically one cornerback went to Oregon State. And let's see, uh, Coach Beam is he's the guy there, and all the players seem to love him a lot and like to play for him. And he has this kind of like he always says brother, so that's like his kind of mantra, his attitude. And he's got swag, but he's not afraid to like jump on a player and. I think that he knows what to expect of players and he really just wants the best potential of them. So he's going to keep pushing on players because he knows that they can do so much better. I'd say as far as biggest names that you get to know in the first episode is uh, Rajon. He's a cornerback and his brother went to Oregon State. So he's looking at a few offers on the division one level and he's probably the best athlete on their team then you also have um dr walker who's their best receiver and kind of like a, a guy who plays with a lot of heart he's not super big but i'd say he's really he's really athletic um and then there's an rj guy who's he's a wide receiver he's really talented physically but he has some mental barriers that he has to work through and oh gosh i don't mess up his name new Ooh, new Ooh, what <laughs> so new ooh. new ooh. okay new um we get introduced to him and he, uh, he has a couple of cute little kids and he's holding it down and we get to know him i really like his story and i think that it's a really good kind of um, it's it's a good callback to what Simon was talking about as far as like why people go to JUCO because he was bagging groceries slash doing like security at a Walmart 
and packing boxes and he decided that he hated that so he wanted to go back to school and actually try because he said that high school they just kind of pushed him through basically so he wants to get a better education and he's also playing football and he's a big dude so and he ends up being uh, i mean we're only a couple episodes in but he's one of my favorite characters because he's always smiling and he's pretty funny so that kind of yeah, shows football as like an opportunity Th so those were some of my takeaways from the first episode as far as like characters and plot goes yeah what about you liam who really stood out to you or who did you like or not like uh I, well i think dior walker is a he's a great guy and we i like his um he's he's got a it, maybe not a cool story i don't think we should we should like try to glorify it right but he's got a really interesting story um oh. the kid has to work hard he's got to work his butt off and essentially he's homeless um and that's that's tough but it, you know it makes for a compelling story it makes for a compelling reason to continue with with football and continue getting better and playing better so that you can get another a chance somewhere else you know what i mean um but the biggest oh. the biggest guy the biggest standout to me otherwise is uh, coach beam i think that i don't know you could make an entire series just about him you could probably make an entire documentary about him and his life altogether the series touches on this a little bit when he was a high school coach he didn't lose a single game throughout the entire 90s yes as a high school coach. Which regular is, season and, game. That, yeah, that regular season regular, game. Sorry. Yeah, but still. Of course. So to go undefeated for probably... He probably coached the entire 90s. So to go undefeated in the regular season for the entire 90s is insanity. And awesome. And he's a cool guy. He really seems to care about his players and his, his students, really. Or what they are. Yeah. No, 100%. I was actually going to bring that up, bring that up. So, all the players kind of, you know, they all stand out to me. I mean, we'll we'll talk I'll talk about them more when we get deeper into the series. But yeah, I, I kind of wanted to point out Coach Beam because I know y'all haven't seen any of the other seasons of Last Chance U, but Coach Beam is nothing like <laughs> like the other coaches, head coaches that is. Uh, that were on last chance you both at emcc and um independence com definitely not independence community college uh it's <laughs> it's interesting you know because i don't know like how, how do i want to say this i'm i'm not i'm gonna try not to spoil it because i know we'll, we'll get there eventually or y'all will get there eventually but at emcc the head coach buddy stevens he's he's kind of like your um stereotypical like southern like hard like super tough old school coaches you know like he's just one of those guys like it's either his way or the highway and for him that works because this dude has four or five national championships they are the alabama of juco's for a reason you know and that's that's one way of doing it but don't get it twisted there's definitely <laughs> there's definitely clashes between you know guys who may have different personalities than than buddy over there and you know buddy obviously that first season he was way tougher than what he was but the second season he definitely softened up a little bit because he realized how he came across on netflix on last chance you and tried to better himself and you could see some of that improvement 
But at the same time, you could see him like, you know, like he was he was like, oh, my gosh, he was like a volcano about to explode almost all the time. He just had a very short temper, you know, and then over at Indy Community College, that is Jason Brown. He ironically, he's from California, too, but he's from Compton. And this guy, like, he isn't exactly your stereotypical Southern head coach, but he's like, you know, your tough coach from the hood, the guy that's going to give you a bunch of tough love. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, he understands you and he wants to create a good relationship with you, but he wants you to do it his way, you know, because, you know, I mean, you know, because he, he's trying to relate to you type of thing, you know, I don't think he forces it as much as Buddy. Uh, I might have to go back and watch that, though, but it's you know it's different so both of those guys definitely have more authoritarian type of coaching not that john bean doesn't have a sort of authoritarian type to him but he's definitely a little bit more of a relaxed like laid-back kind of guy or at least it seems so like i guess maybe more comparable to pete carroll if that makes any sense you know like he's one of yeah. those guys that he really cares about you as a person you know, and obviously buddy and um jason brown all of them like care about their players as persons uh with with john beam it seems like he's very genuine you know like he would love to have them over for dinner or he would love to do some really good stuff for them outside of the football field that doesn't even benefit him now, that's the kind of coach that john beam comes across as uh for me and that's a really big deal to me because i i think there's definitely a an idea out there in the football world that those type of coaches are soft those type of coaches don't know exactly when to lay down the law or that they're you know they they walk the line a little bit too much that there may might be a little bit more indecisive you know and i it was that that was i mean i guess watching this first episode that's kind of like some of the things that came to mind at first but and I'm not going to spoil it, but as the season goes on, it became less apparent. And John Beam does an excellent job of walking that line between being really tough and caring at the same time. Like, legitimately, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's not all rah-rah or anything like that. Like, he, he coaches through care for sure. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. Um. But yeah, so let's talk about what went down <laughs> in this episode. <laughs> So obviously all the beginning stuff are introductions like they go through everyone's backgrounds and whatnot and we we won't I at least I won't talk about that just yet just because they go into each player that's featured like their backgrounds uh, deeper in the episodes coming up but let, let's talk about the this game coming up right um they so Cody said they are the defending national champs and so they go ahead and they play Modesto Junior College so let's let's talk about it you know obviously they lost 33 33 to 20 um i guess things were going pretty good to start at least i thought so and then i don't know what happened but it just it just slipped away you know well what 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 did y'all think about that game before i go deeper into it well i think that there is some trouble certainly waiting for laney because they had some question marks at quarterback before the season yes. even started. You know, they had a couple of guys, but they weren't they weren't fully confident in any of them. I would say like the way they were for their starter when they won the championship. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's a little bit of a competition and 
you know, there's there's one quarterback, Kenny, who we'll talk about on later. You know, KJ, who you know he's pretty behind developmentally somehow, as far as like because he should have been the guy really this year, based off of like how long he'd been at the JUCO, but he's not. So you know that was frustrating for them, and there's definitely some question marks, and. I think during this game, it was kind of a lack of identity almost and a lot of mental errors. You know, I mean, they missed two field goals and an extra point attempt, I think, or something like that. Yeah. Which is like, you can't make those mistakes, especially as a defending national champion, you know, because then teams aren't going to be afraid of like, you know, they're, they're thinking, oh, if we just hold them here to fourth down and they try and kick a field goal then they're going to miss it, you know? So, like, I, I think that part of it was also that they were pretty complacent. Uh, so, Rajon, who's, once again, like I said earlier, one of the more talented athletic players on this team, he gets, he allows a touchdown. And, you know, from a schematic point, you know, it's the safety who should help him out on that cover two on the outside because he gets burnt straight down the sideline. But... I don't know. He followed him the whole way and he's the, he's supposed to be the best player on the team. Right. And so yeah. he needs to, if he's going and he's, he's a talker, which, you know, it, if he can back it up, I'm all for right. Cornerbacks are supposed to be cocky. You know, they're supposed to be confident in their level of play and they're supposed to trash talk the wide receivers. But when he's talking and yapping and then he gets burnt on just a, normal go route like it, there was nothing about the route that blew me away then especially when he followed it the whole time like that's kind of a yikes moment for me and then they miss a lot of tackles in the open field so yeah. they you know they had some mental mistakes on special teams they had mental and physical mistakes on the defensive side of the ball and they dropped some passes including a potential game winner you know is dr walker and you could tell that he took it really seriously even though he made a better catch earlier in the game you know so there's just i don't know i think they were really in their head during this first game and that's why they stumbled out of the gate and lost to this modesto team yeah and they're up 13 to 0 at one point yeah um i don't know and to add on to rajon he actually led on two touchdowns if y'all remember so he had the passing one and then the first one that that Modesto quarterback scored, he kind of broke his ankles and walked into the end zone, if y'all remember that one. Oh, yeah, that's right. I was yeah, because Rajon was talking. Fight. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to just be honest. That's that's 14 points right there. And if you take 14 from the score, they would have won. <laughs> so I – look, man, like – and I get it. You know, like I like – I – personally preferred corners that talk a little bit more because you need that extra confidence because playing corner is a tough job to do you're gonna get burnt you're gonna you know you're gonna let up touchdowns sometimes someone just makes a better play but on that run play first off there's no reason rajon should have gotten juked out this dude's like six three so nail the nail the quarterback that's it you know push him towards the sideline you don't gotta like i don't know like he tried to arm tackle him low-key maybe he was trying to strip the ball but that that's not a disciplined play so you got to do better there and then on that like you're saying cody on on that play where he got burnt 
you know, and sure the safety could have helped, but let's be honest, this dude Rajon, he's Rajon Wright. He's supposed to be the best cornerback in California Juco. And I'm pretty sure he's like the second or third best in the country. So I'm gonna just be honest, this ball wasn't the greatest thrown ball in the world. And this receiver isn't like 6'5 or whoever that could just body this dude. Like he was significantly shorter than Rajon. So that's a play where, you know, you just got to get up and you got to make him pay for throwing your way. Like it's a, you know, he, he def if he was paying attention and if he was playing it a little bit better, he definitely could have picked that off as well. But let's not get it twisted. It isn't exactly his fault because in my opinion, I felt like the offense definitely uh, sputtered a little bit. Now, obviously, Dior dropped that pass. That was an interception, um, or that ended in, in an interception. But I definitely felt like felt like there were a couple times where you know the offense could have gotten a little bit more, not just kicking the extra field goals. But those are a big deal. But you know, maybe maybe capitalizing in the red zone, which they just didn't do. So, what do you think, Liam? Sorry. Oh, you're fine. I think that you guys are both completely correct. I, there's a lot of like almost personality errors going on, especially in that first game. Um, True. Just giving up on the plays. You can't be, you know, a Rajon type and be the best player on the field and give up on plays. You know, that's not going to get you to D1. That's not going to get you to the NFL. When are you oh. going to start caring? You know, is it if it's not at your your worst opportunity then why would it be at your best if that makes sense yeah you know so i don't know i think um it's it's cool though i mean it's cool watching the show and, and seeing and seeing that and seeing um that directly impact play on the field i think yeah, no, for sure. And you you make a really good point. You, know, you can't, you know, like obviously like he already had a couple offers and whatnot, but you can't be playing lazy like that. Like those are habits that aren't going to last you to the pros. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's just facts. Um, but yeah, uh, I also wanted to point this out. When Coach Beam, so when Dior dropped the ball, slash, you know, tipped it up and they intercepted it. I really liked how Coach Beam went over to Dior and told him, hey, don't worry about it. Like, you're good. You're good. Type of thing. Like, to me, that stood out because if that was Buddy Stevens or Jason Brown of the last step, oh my God, of the last seasons, they would absolutely rip into Dior. Like, they would, they would make sure that this dude almost quits football if that was, if Dior was playing for them. I'm just going to be honest. But you really don't see that a lot, especially out of older school uh, type of types of coaches so that really stood out to me because that's from a coaching standpoint and this is a quick you know learning point right here but from a coaching standard you know when when you win there's things you take away for sure but when you lose there are definitely things that you can take away but if a player doesn't have that confidence or doesn't feel like they have that confidence some of the stuff that they could have learned from a loss won't transfer over so it's important to not beat them down all the time and be like hey you know, it's fine. Don't worry about it. We'll get better type of thing, right? At least that's that's what I think. I mean, does does that make sense? Yeah. Cody, what do you think? No, yeah, I definitely like the... Like, okay, I'd say that there's a difference between the players that Beam does call out 
and Beam doesn't call out, right? Like when he calls on when he calls out Rajon, it's because you know he knows Rajon can make those plays and should make those plays, but also that you know Rajon doesn't think too much if he doesn't make those plays, right? Versus Dior, like no one is going to be harder on Dior than Dior is, you know, and that's I think that's goes to what you're talking about as far as like. Not only does he care about his players, but he knows his players, right? Like he knows their personality and he knows how they function. So him him knowing that he doesn't have to yell at Dior because he knows that Dior is going to be harder on himself than anybody else is. And that's why he adjusts to be like, that's all right. I know that you can make that play, right? And you will next time. Instead of, you know, calling on him to step it up. He's just saying, I know you can and doesn't want Dior to get discouraged, you know? Yeah. yeah. Sure. And that's a really good point. Yeah. He does know his players pretty well. And that's, I mean, you know, as a coach, I think every coach and teacher would say that, you know, to teach a coach up your kid the best you can, you got to know them as well. But, you know, if you, it's hard for some, you know, because some people just don't pick up some of those little things as well you know what i mean like they don't empathize as well maybe is a better way of saying it so yeah no for sure and i think and you know that th- this is important because if coach beam got on dior then his confidence would have dropped and then you know later on in the season that's gonna be something that you no know, it's it's something to keep an eye on for sure but uh yeah so that's all i gotta say about that episode Y'all have anything else to add about it? Any reactions? Y'all feel about it? Um, I'm good on this first episode, honestly, and I'm excited to. I guess if we're talking about a past tense, watch episode two and uh, <laughs> react to it. Yeah. For sure. Okay. So right, right here, right now, right here, right now. You know, watching that first episode. How would y'all rate Last Chance You? How invested are y'all right now? I mean, it's pretty good for an intro episode. Okay. But yeah, it, I think it's really hard to judge a whole series or like even a season off of just the first episode, you know? Yeah, well, it's a raw reaction. It's a raw reaction. So it was good. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah to be honest with you, um, other than watching like a couple episodes of Friday Night Tykes and, uh, and stuff like that, I've never really watched... Uh, like a sports show. Well, I guess I've watched Hard Knocks, uh, so maybe maybe I should take that back. But um, yeah, I guess I haven't really invested myself super deep into a sports show like this. Um, that's almost documentary style. So I thought I really liked the first episode. I'm pretty invested in it. And we're gonna keep watching. So okay, sweet. Sounds good. It is a really look. I'm gonna be honest with y'all. This is probably one of the goat sports documentary series out there at least the ongoing ones so yeah well coming up next we're gonna talk about one of the stars of last chance you not on this season but in a previous season season two of emcc dakota allen coming up next we're gonna do a breakdown we're back here on playmakers corner and we're talking about Dakota Allen, one of the more uh, famous Last Chance U alum who has actually made it to the NFL since appearing on Last Chance U. We'll talk about a little bit um, his JUCO film right now, 
But first, I'm going to let Simon introduce his story and um, spoil bits and pieces of a different season of Last Chance U for us. So, Oh, all right. So Dakota Allen, he was on the second season of Last Chance U at the original community college they started at, Eastern Mississippi Community College. And, you know, honestly, if... I'm not going to talk too much about what happened in Last Chance U there, but honestly, like, he kind of just came off as somebody that really didn't belong at a Juco. Like, maybe it's because, like, he grew up in the months between, you know, leaving Texas Tech and going to EMCC, but he really was just somebody that, like, you just, like, why are you here? Like, you're not a Juco guy. Like, you're a good guy. Like, you seem like a really nice guy and, you know, someone who works super hard. And, yeah, he there he was. And you know, honestly, Dakota Allen is one of the more inspirational players to come out of, of Juco. To honestly to be on last chance you in general. And just to throw this out there, you know, I know we talked about Chad Kelly and his journey from EMCC to Ole Miss to the pros and you know how that's going. But in my opinion, Dakota Allen is pretty much the exact opposite of Chad Kelly. And for that reason, I think he will have a longer career than Chad Kelly, potentially, but we'll see. So basically what happened at with Dakota uh, with Dakota Allen, he was a, he's a middle linebacker. He played for Texas Tech. And, you know, look, he, he just made a mistake. Um, I'm not going to justify anything he did, but just keep in mind, you know, some college athletes, student athletes, don't exactly have um how should i say this the level of maturity guidance yeah all of those things but i was about to say like money you know like like i it's it's hard to justify it for sure but you know some there's definitely some you know college athletes that need a little bit more extra money whether it's for themselves or for their families you know and that's just how it goes so basically what happened is that dakota allen and a couple other texas tech football players got arrested for um home burglary and gun theft over the winter break or wait yeah um over a winter break i'm pretty sure and it was just you know it was just unfortunate he just got arrested and so per team guidelines and whatnot they just got cut or or maybe not cut they got dismissed and dakota allen basically was told that he cannot set foot on the texas tech campus for at least a year, I want to say. It might have changed. It's one of those situations that changed as the season goes on. I'm looking it up now. But anyways, he went to EMCC because, you know, no other D1 school is going to take somebody with a criminal record like that. You know, because that's just kind of a big red flag. Like, not only was it burglary, burglary and, you know, gun theft, but it was definitely armed robbery, I'm pretty sure, as well. Those charges eventually got dropped. So... I'm look, I'm not going to speculate on that because there's a lot of things that could have been thought about that, whether it was fair, unfair, whatever. It's just one of those things, honestly, where you got to read the story for yourself or watch Last Chance You and make a decision because it seemed it did seem a little sketchy. And let's be real. It's Lubbock, Texas. So, you know, it is what it is. But he went to EMCC. He matured greatly. You know, like he was and honestly, he just came off as a really nice guy, like. Uh, I know, like, I'm, this isn't a religious podcast by any means, but this dude was definitely someone who was more religious and was a man of God, and he would lead Bible studies 
with his teammates at EMCC, and he would be in all of those. And they actually got baptized while he was at EMCC. And, you know, he talked about, you know, how this was God's plan and, you know, God's got him. And it's just one of those things where, you know, you got to pick yourself up from a mistake and you got to do better and give it your all and just be a better person every day. And he was just one of those types of players. And he honestly, he just always had a good attitude. He worked super hard and he was just a great leader. And it was known like, honestly, on last chance, you, they really didn't have to give him as much screen time as they did. Cause you just knew that he was a leader, like the way he carried himself, the way he would try to, you know, get his defensive. Well, okay. I hate to call out specific groups, but specifically his defensive lineman to work a bit harder to stay on that grind. Like he was that dude, you know, that EMCC defense would have been nothing without Dakota Allen. And, you know, I'm just going to be honest, like, he's just those one of those guys that you need in the locker room. That everyone needs in the locker room. He's a glue guy, 100%. So, with that being said, we're going to break down some of his film. Obviously, I've seen some of it from watching Last Chance U, but I'm curious about what y'all think about Dakota, uh, sorry, about Dakota Allen at EMCC. We have some of his Juco film and some of his high school film, but let's start off with strengths. Cody, Liam, either one of y'all want to start i can kick us off here with his strengths so dakota oh. allen at least it at the juco level and at the high school level i think that he played very disciplined on the play side and he played more aggressive on the back side of whatever play he was on and that's kind of what you want from a linebacker if the play is going the other direction across the field from where you are you want your backside linebacker really fly towards that you know and act in instinctively and then on the play side you want to make sure that they do their job and they play their gap and at the juco level he did exactly that and i also want to applaud him as far as like play recognition goes at the juco and high school level he was very good especially in the pass coverage you know at playing his zone and yeah. Also, anticipating the snap. So, Dakota Allen was brought on the blitz a lot at the Juco and high school level, whether that was off the edge or through the middle. And he knew just how to time it so that he didn't have to get hands on him, which is what the way that he had to play because Dakota Allen is pretty undersized for a middle linebacker, but he was just so fast and great at anticipation that he was able to compensate for that and get after the quarterback or blow up the run play before it even took off. So I'd say great play recognition and his discipline on the play side. And then I'd also say that, you know, his ability to be moved to the edge, he was just so fast off the edge that tackles at the Juco and high school level could not catch him. So he's very fast off the edge and that made him a serious threat, especially on pass plays when he wasn't in pass coverage. Those are my, my strengths of Dakota Allen at the Juco slash high school level. All right. I would, I would agree with those. But, um, and I, I don't know. I have some pretty similar strengths. Uh, the main one for me is versatility. I think, you know, being kind of being highly athletic and being able to be moved around the field and play anything from like small edge, uh, to, to middle linebacker to like, even to almost a pass rushing middle linebacker, uh, which he, you know, he, he got brought on the blitz as a middle linebacker quite often anyway, um, even when he wasn't playing edge. But also being good in pass coverage, you know, that's uh, that means quite a bit to be able to be 
that style of player and uh you know a system is going to find a place to put you in and they're going to find a place to make you excel uh so that's that's a lot to be excited about as far as his strengths um the biggest thing otherwise for me would be his patience i think you saw it a lot especially on like run coverage his his patience to wait to see what the running back was going to do and wait to see how the running back was going to act before he jumped on the ball and before he, he attacked and he got a lot of uh, a lot of good plays there from that yeah no absolutely he was a beast um in high school and at emcc for sure and obviously you know it's juco so these type of players should be dominating right but no it's still impressive nonetheless it's still football so like he more than anything i mean obviously he already played d1 football like a, pretty close to a full season if not a full season so everyone kind of knew what he what he was about like it was just one of those things like all right well you know what's you know what what's the issue like what what's up with that charge you know so that right. that was more of the thing with dakota allen like nobody really doubted his football like skill it was more like all right is he mature is he good to go is his grades right and it was 100 check 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 no matter what like from the moment he stood or um stepped foot onto emcc to leaving he was he was on top of it you know and congrats to him because there are plenty of players that weren't on top of it that we'll talk about soon here um well maybe not soon here but maybe in future episodes for sure yeah no so i 100 agree dakota allen is a little bit um i guess smaller for a middle linebacker he is around six foot six one i, I looked it up he's listed at 231 but that's his you know obviously his pro playing weight at emcc i would say he's probably closer to, to 220 225 so not bad it's okay but honestly he played really well for his size though like he was quick off the or well I, here i won't say this too much but i would say that he was he was pretty quick you know like maybe not elite speed but he just anticipated really well so maybe that came off as making him looking a little bit quicker than what he was but that's a really big deal because that just means he has really good instincts right especially against the run i would say against the run like he was everywhere and you know he would in addition as well um he would also call some of those defensive plays and audibles while on defense and that helped a lot while he was at emcc we saw a little bit of that on last chance you for sure so you know his iq is 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 really impressive in my opinion you know he just knows where to be and you know maybe if he doesn't know 100 where he's gonna be he has that feeling you know and sometimes honestly that's just not something that you could teach in all middle linebackers and all defensive players he just has a nose for the ball type of thing you know um i think y'all mentioned this a little bit before but he has a really high motor like this dude hustles while he's on the field he never you'll it'll be rare like you'll be hard pressed to find a play where he's not like you know going for the ball or chasing the ball or finishing a play like he finishes a play to the whistle and you know there are definitely some players that we've done breakdowns of whom you know maybe they don't do that exactly maybe they let off the gas just a little bit but with dakota he's going you know as as hard as he can and which is a little bit surprising because he really doesn't have an injury history at all like i tried looking it up i really did um but i don't i don't believe actually that he's gotten hurt a whole ton 
while in college uh and that includes juco as well so you know for someone to be you know, working as hard and being on the field for pretty much all the snaps you know that's pretty good so durability is a huge plus for me as well but with all that being said you no know, let's let's talk some weaknesses because there are definitely some things we could nitpick at um do you mind if i go first no, yeah go not. ahead okay so this okay i'm just gonna be honest this one doesn't really have a lot to do with dakota allen but it, it does for sure to a degree so in season two emcc's defensive line was crazy good they had a ton of talent on there you know uh, i think they had three starters who all went d1 and so tim bonner he's a defensive end he was actually with the mcc that first season i believe he was a louisville bounce back so he went to louisville and then you know he was accused of having a gun so he left and you know he denies that accusation but you know whatever he went to emcc and you know he was really good while he was at emcc honestly he ended up going to florida atlantic right university fau um a lot of i guess a lot of last chance you players went there and you know he he, he kind of did his thing over there so he was a beast at emcc chauncey rivers he's another guy he started at georgia and he was kicked out um because you know he had marijuana and then he came to emcc and he played fantastic as well there sometimes he was lazy but he played really well and he did end up receiving a scholarship from mississippi state and i'm pretty sure he so the first year there he didn't he wasn't able to play because of academic issues but he did play the next season so he's another d1 guy and then after that, you got Kamonte Carter, Cam Carter. I'm going to be honest, this dude was the laziest dude on defense, maybe on the entire team. If I, I Okay, I don't want to rip into him too much because this isn't about <laughs> him. Uh, he really he really was kind of just going through the motions, to be honest. But with, that all, with all that being said, this dude was a monster on the defensive line. He played defensive tackle, and he killed it whenever he was out there and actually tried. You know, and he was probably one of the best players out there. And he did end up getting a scholarship to Pitt. Only played nine games, didn't do a whole ton. And then he transferred somewhere to another D1 school. But those are three guys who are all D1 guys playing against Juco level talent. You know, and then obviously you have Dakota Allen, who's another D1 guy playing against Juco level talent. And all these guys have played against people on the D1 level. So, you know, part of me, like, this isn't, all dakota allen's fault obviously but he definitely had a lot of help there are times where you know he didn't have to do a whole ton of block shedding so you really didn't get to see a whole ton of that and honestly there are definitely times where it was easy to find where the running back was because the holes or whatever that the defensive line opened up for him were huge like it was obvious like you really couldn't have missed it unless you have the vision of trent richardson okay sorry second Damn. year pro trent oh. richardson so <laughs> there you go it was really hard not to be super good if you were dakota allen um but yeah so that's that's really all i gotta say about dakota allen in terms of weaknesses at emcc though so what about y'all cody go I'll ahead so his weaknesses at dakota allen slash high the high school level just because there's more film there so you know, I, I talked about discipline on the play side, but there are also times where 
he looked a little worried to make a mistake on the play side. So instead of filling a gap at the line of scrimmage, he tackled the running back three or four yards past the line of scrimmage when he recognized it and he saw it, but he, and he could have made the play sooner, but he played it safer, which is, it's a nitpicking. I'll admit that. And I'd also say that while he's fast off the edge and like fast on the blitz, his lateral quickness left something to be desired. Like his arms and legs didn't look like they were coordinated, if that makes sense, when he was moving from side to side. So I'd say uh, playing conservative on the play side, his lateral quickness left something to be desired. And also he didn't show a plethora of moves or engagement while blitzing. And we'll talk about the repercussions of that at the collegiate level here in a little bit. Pass it over to you, Liam. Well, to be honest, just so looking at watching is um, I'm a little bit less uh, experienced with defensive play and how to how to address defensive play and defensive weakness. Um, but I would agree for the most part of, with what both of you said. Looking at his high school and um, JUCO stuff, he definitely. You know, I think that he I think that he doesn't have the best hands just to be honest with you um i know it's 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 not really the greatest uh complaint against like a middle linebacker or an edge but if you're going to be going for i think that he he doesn't try to break up passes very much he's very conservative he goes for the tackle he doesn't he doesn't play the ball essentially that's what i'm trying to say mm, and yeah he doesn't, he doesn't um like Cody, like Cody said, he's not aggressive enough in that playmaking situation. Like sometimes he'd have, he'd have the step on the guy, and he'd just go for the tackle, right? He wouldn't go for the pass breakup. He wouldn't go for the pass deflection or even the interception. Best of all, right? So I think there's, maybe that's a, a mental thing, where he's he's not confident enough in his own hands and his and in his own playmaking ability to attempt that, right? Like the interceptions that I saw were him. Yes, I think he made one aggressive interception, but for the most part, they were just kind of like the ball was thrown to him, right? So, I don't know. That's my that's my take on it. I hear you. Yeah, and I 100% agree. Actually, um, well, I honestly that just kind of applies to him just being a little bit more conservative in general. Well, there are definitely times he. He should have pushed, you know, the tempo a little bit. Like, he should have been a little bit more aggressive. And I would agree with the interceptions or pass deflections for sure. Like, I don't know, maybe if it's just because he feels a little awkward, like, getting into the right angle. Or maybe he just doesn't know how to get into the right angle of, like, either picking off the ball or, you know, um, maybe not, like, jumping a route. But, like, he has, how should I say this? I feel like he just couldn't. I don't know. Like he was just super disciplined, right? Which is good. But there are definitely times where maybe he, like Cody said, he said he, you know, he second thought, like he second guessed himself, and he was afraid that if he jumped the route, then it would throw him off and throw him out of position to be in, you know, to to make a good football play, a good conservative football play. I should say. I think that's the word I'm trying to get out. So yeah, I totally agree on, especially pass defense wise, he could have been way better in my opinion, you know, but yeah. you know, and, it worked uh, out. 
one thing I would say about that is like maybe he has his coach's voice in his ear. You know what I mean? You know it's true. I mean? Like maybe he's yeah. maybe he's hearing his coach say, you know, just make the tackle, just make the play, just just hit the guy, just bring him down, stop the you know the big yardage. And maybe he's not trusting yeah. himself enough. That's a really good point. I'm pretty sure it might have it should have been that. Uh, sorry, I'm pretty sure it was that as well. Uh, Buddy Stevens is definitely one of those guys. He definitely relies on his defensive line a lot to shut down a play before it even starts. So if anybody gets through his defensive line, guys, you know, it's up to, you know, his linebackers to, hey, just make the conservative play and we'll give us a chance, you know, give the defensive line a chance to make something happen. And I mean, I don't know if that's just how they're structured, but like, you know, this dude, Buddy Stevens brings in a ton of really good defensive linemen every year. And then turns them back out into the SEC, Big Ten, Big Twelve, whatever, you know. So maybe that's just the scheme of things as well. But I don't know. Well, yeah, we could talk about that more when we talk about Texas Tech, though. I was about to say, does anyone have any other comments on his weaknesses or strengths before we transition into his Texas Tech days? No. Nope. All right, so coming up next on Playmakers Corner, we're going to talk about Dakota Allen in college and preview what he has to do to take a step forward in the pros. Coming up next. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner. In this segment, we're going to be talking about Dakota Allen and his adventures at Texas Tech and kind of breaking that down and, you know, again, going through strengths weaknesses and maybe a pro comparison anybody want to kick it off i'll go ahead and start on his strengths because i'm going to be speaking a lot more on his weaknesses here in a bit but i will say that dakota allen i think that he was pretty good in pass coverage at texas tech i think that you know he was able to stop the play before it got worse uh i'd also say that he's pretty fast at Texas Tech and a lot of the plays that he makes were from being quick, you know, whether that whether that was flying to the hole or flying to the quarterback and he was able to make up ground sometimes. And for the most part, he also was pretty technical on his tackles and compensated for his size fairly well just through technique alone as far as like breaking down and aiming for the hips. So, those are my big strengths for Dakota Allen at Texas Tech. Okay. On me to go? Yeah, sure. Alright. Um, honestly, he really didn't miss a step. Oh, you know, he was he was pretty good, honestly. Like he picked up everything well. I think this is just a testament to his football IQ. And it, it really didn't seem like there was ever a time he was on the field and he didn't know what he was supposed to be doing or what somebody else was supposed to be doing. You know what I'm saying? And let's be honest, this Texas Tech defense wasn't <laughs> they weren't anything to write home about. They're still not. And Coda Allen was just one of those bright spots. Maybe it was because of last chance you as well, but you know, he really just stepped up and led the defense the best he could. And he led them against some pretty tough offenses. You know, the offenses of Oklahoma, which want to say he definitely played against Baker Mayfield. I think he played against Tyler. No, wait. No, wait. Yeah, he did play against Kyler Murray. Yeah, so both really good quarterbacks at Oklahoma, obviously. And then, you know, everywhere else around the Big 12, like, they have some dudes around there as well, like Brock Purdy over at Iowa State. 
and you know texas with sam ellinger and all that great stuff as well but you know he honestly just stepped up he led a really good defense and iq was really impressive to me um knew where to be the instincts were there i i kind i felt like he got better like he got better athleticism wise and weight wise as well like he put on a couple more pounds and you know he was able to hang in with some of those offensive linemen for sure i really liked seeing him use his hands and whatnot when pass rushing and what and all that great stuff um yeah i'll leave it right there for now but yeah those are my strengths okay um you know i gotta agree it, he definitely seemed like the most intelligent uh yeah i'll, I'll make that i'll make i'll make that claim I, I feel like he was maybe the most intelligent guy on the field for those defenses um always least seem to not get tripped up as far as like biting on play action or, or whatnot you know never seemed to to get confused with what the play actually was that was breaking down in front of him um maybe missed a hole or two but or maybe missed a block or uh sold out to just block a, a lineman as opposed to trying to get around the lineman but um definitely you know, addressed all the plays pretty well, I think. At least from what I watched. So I would say intelligence is definitely a strong suit, especially as we get into more athletic competition. Competition that's either just as just as athletic as him or stronger or better. Um, and as that as he loses that edge, his intelligence is able to shine. Uh, what about weaknesses? Weaknesses? Oh man, he's definitely <laughs> he, he definitely. Uh, I wouldn't say that he slowed down, but the competition sped up. You know what I mean? Like the world got faster That's... around him, and he he couldn't. I don't want to say he couldn't keep up. Right? He he kept up, but it was like suddenly everybody's on his level, and some suddenly everybody's above his level, and. Uh, it, it showed so I think his his agility got him so far and now he's here and or now he's he's not here anymore he's not in college anymore but uh, now he was he was here and it's not getting him any further really yeah. so that'd sure. be my biggest weakness for him get that Cody do you want to go next or should I you go ahead come um yeah, look, he he's not like you know an athletic freak or anything. Like like I said, he's a little bit on the lighter side. Um, look, I'm just gonna be honest. I kind of felt like he wasn't as explosive as I would like him to be. Like like obviously he'll know where the ball is and he'll anticipate it pretty well. But you know, just the level of explosiveness that I would have loved to see out of Dakota Allen, you know, for him to truly succeed on the NFL level, just wasn't there. You know, I mean, I don't know if it's the weightlifting or it's just his body type and whatnot, but like it was just, I don't know. Like it, it could have been, there was more to be desired for sure. Like I, I think in short areas, you know, quick bursts, like it was, it was fine. It was pretty all right. But you know, when he definitely had a little bit more of like a runway to the guy and like, it was like, oh my gosh, like he would have really clean runways to 
players maybe on the screen like he just didn't like i don't know he just didn't blow them up like he should have like he didn't light them up like 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 i wish he could have you know and so that's definitely something to, to you know critique him on also i would say pass rushing wise like you know he's fine like he has quick hands and whatnot like he knows how to use his hands but thing is he used a lot of finesse moves when trying to get around linemen like he wouldn't i feel like he didn't do a great job of absorbing a block and really fighting to get that off like i think that really has to do with his strength on that level for sure because he just honestly he just didn't have very strong hands like there are some guys who have very strong hands you know and maybe they have boxing backgrounds or whatnot but you know with dakota allen it was just like i don't know like I, I I wanted to see him like just rip an offensive tackle or guards like arm off of him, but yeah. I really didn't see that. I saw him ducking and you know doing really nice nifty swim moves and being very technical. You know he, he just didn't do it for me. You know he just wasn't as strong as I'd like to see him in. So I think strength in general, explosiveness for sure, is something that was kind of a big deal when it came to Dakota Allen, um, in my opinion. That is. So yeah. I, I can bring us home here with Dakota Allen. I was not very impressed by his film at Texas Tech. I think that he got blocked super easily by linemen, especially linemen who got to the second level. Like, I think as soon as a lineman got their hands on him, he wasn't going to make a play. And I think that Simon had a strong point that Dakota Allen just isn't as strong as he needed to be to take that next step. And I think he regressed a lot in his second season at Texas Tech from his first season at Texas Tech. I think that also maybe Liam had a point about like the coach being in his ear or something, but, and he overthought things, but sometimes he would just whiff on the hole. And that's not something that I'd like to see out of a middle linebacker, especially when he ends up going, like he would just be on the outside of the hole and like the hole where he was supposed to be was like pretty obvious and he just missed a lot of the time. And I don't know, some of the angles that he was taking weren't very impressive to me, especially like to make sideline plays. He would be kind of flat and I feel like he just needs to know that he's not as fast. So he might have to take like a, you know, a wider angle to get to the ball, you know, and he just didn't do a very good job of that. Um, And I'd say that he was, you know, I think his size caught up to him at that level, especially against those huge linemen. He just wasn't able to compete really as much. And that's why he ended up going in the seventh round of the NFL draft was, you know, I just don't think that he got big enough or didn't improve in the off season. And so then that next year after people had film on him, they knew how to counter him. And it was pretty easy for teams to get around him, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I, I 100% agree. agreed. Have y'all looked up his uh, combine numbers as well? Yes. So yeah, he had he had, he ran a four seven seven on his forty yard dash. He had twenty three reps on bench press, and his top speed on the forty was like a seventeen and a half miles per hour. It was a bit on. It wasn't near an 18, which he just, 
He really scored kind of poorly on a lot of his combines, and the only thing that kind of carried him to the final grade that he had, which out of 100 was a 47, the only thing that really carried him was his agility, which, you know, I never doubted, and we've always talked about his finesse, and, you know, it, right. like, he can, he can move, but I don't know. He definitely did not help out his case with this combine. No. So... <laughs> That's that. Uh, okay, well, let's talk about Dakota Allen and the pros. So I'm just going to give a quick review. He was drafted by the Rams, I'm pretty sure. So he was on their practice squad. He made some plays in the preseason, but obviously it wasn't enough because he went to the practice squad. Then I want to say the Raiders picked him up for a little bit, and then they dropped him. And then the Jacksonville Jaguars currently have Dakota Allen. So yeah, but let's so with Dakota Allen, let's talk about some of the things he could do to succeed on this next level, and then we could talk comparisons with that. Is it okay if I start? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, sweet. Look, uh, straight up, I'm not concerned about this dude, you know, getting in trouble or not being able to learn a playbook on time. Like, in my opinion, he's someone that could be a very reliable guy. You know, like honestly, he just has a couple things he needs to tweak. And maybe if it means going to the XFL potentially and tweaking it there and kind of maybe uh, becoming a star there or even the CFL, that might be the move because there have definitely been players that needed a little bit more time. You know, look at Cameron Wake. He was one of those players for sure. So I'm not going to put out of the question that Dakota Allen could be really good because he does work really hard. But the things that he needs to work on, especially is I think he needs to just get better um, as a pass defender straight up. Because you know, there were definitely times at Texas Tech as well, you know, and you know, in some of the preseason games where he would sit in his zone and you know he'd do his job and not, but I would like to see him be, you know, use his instincts a little bit more and be a little bit, well, maybe not a little bit, a lot more aggressive as a pass defender. You know, I'd like to see him really get his hands in there and you know either pick off the ball or deflect it. Because there are plenty of times at Texas Tech where he would let the player catch the ball in front of him and then make the quick tackle. And look, that's cool. You know, you're being conservative and he's a good tackler. But, you know, if if the pass play could be prevented altogether, then do it. You know, so I think he needs yeah. to gain some confidence, a little bit more awareness of that and just be a better pass defender. Uh, even in man, too, like he has some things he needs to work on. He needs to get a little bit smoother and whatnot. And honestly, because he is a linebacker, like, you no, know, use your hands. And that, that kind of brings me to my next point, like get stronger hands. I don't know what he got to do, like whether he has to box a little bit more or, you know, lift a bunch more, but he needs to get stronger hands. And it's possible, you know, strong hands, like it's not exactly a genetic thing. Sometimes it is, but I definitely think he could get much better and have much stronger hands just knowing him. Um, yeah, so that's. I'll leave it there. And then my comparisons, I would say, okay, it's it's a little hard. Now, he might actually have to switch positions, but he could definitely still play linebacker. I would say his, his ceiling might be a lesser version of Deion Jones to a degree because they kind of have the same, you know, body type and whatnot for sure. I'm pretty sure they're both 6'1", 230. Don Jones might weigh a little bit more and he's definitely a lot faster, but I could see some Dion Jones in him for sure. 
you know if he could because i feel like he has the ability to be a better pass defender as well so if he shores that up i could see a lot of Deion jones you know really good against the run stuff like that but a little bit wider and could be versatile and moved around for sure his well okay obviously his his floor would be not a pro player <laughs> but if i really had to pick i would probably pick mark baron maybe you know solid okay rotational third second string type of guy can maybe start one or two nfl games not playoff games but regular season games potentially and not you know be a complete screw up i could see a lot of mark baron for sure like just kind of being a little bit out of place because of the way he is because of how hard he works because he's a great locker room guy you know he'll be around for sure yeah but he does have a lot of de development uh what am i saying development developing developing i'm sorry i'm having a dying right now he has a lot of developing to do but it's really not that far off in my opinion i think it's pretty attainable in my opinion it's not like it's you know out of this world so that's what i gotta say about dakota allen and i would honestly i will bet on dakota allen achieving those than chad kelly ever achieving his ceiling so even half of his ceiling so there you go mind if i pick up where you left off there simon yes so actually i was gonna say dakota allen's ceiling is mark baron because they're pretty similarly sized but you know both are too slow to play safety and the most unfortunate thing about dakota allen i think is you can't coach speed and i think that you know if he wanted to be a starting linebacker in the nfl he'd have to get a lot faster so I think, but as far as things that he can work on, you know, he has to continue with his agility. And I think that he could be a passing down guy who could also be brought in on the blitz, but he does have to get stronger. And that's something that you can work on. He needs to hit the weight room. I don't worry about him mentally, but you know, I think he needs to play for a linebackers coach that's going to inspire him and, you know, have the confidence in him to make the plays that he needs to make. So, Hey, go after that pass over the middle. All right. And try and make a play on it because I know you can. Right. And right. part of that's just he has to try and get faster. He's not going to get dramatically faster, but he has to get faster in game, if that makes sense. So he needs to work drills that are going to help him in game. And he also needs to lift weights. I think that's what he needs to do to become a Mark Barron esque guy, because Mark Barron, he's been around in the league for a long time and he gets a lot of tackles because he oh. flies to the ball. And he's strong for his size. And that's what Dakota Allen has to do. Just because I don't think he'll be as fast as a Deion Jones. And that's saying something I don't that Deion oh, Jones sorry, is like on. a faster. He's faster than Mark Barron, who started as a safety, you know. And I just don't think that Dakota Allen is like if he moves, he has to be like a passing down linebacker if he's going to succeed in the NFL. What were you going to say, though, Simon? I was just going to say, I don't think he's going to ever be as fast as Deion Jones. I was thinking more technically because I feel like technically Deion Jones is one of the better pass uh, defenders in the league. I mean, am I am I wrong there? Because I I mean, that's no. where I was coming from with that, you know, because Dakota Allen, he's not going to get faster. <laughs> yeah, no, I no, mean, no. I was yeah. I was just saying from like that point of view, I wasn't saying like the whole Deion Jones wasn't a, a comparison. I was just yeah. saying he would not be as fast as Deion Jones. So like he'd have to get better in other ways. Yeah, no. And I think that's why I said a lesser Dion jones is that what i said something yeah like i believe that. so i yeah. i wasn't i wasn't throwing your whole comparison out the window i was just using it as like 
a prop to the what he needs to get good at oh for sure and i i mean i completely agree no but yeah i mean i'm just throwing that out there like with Deion jones like i think because i know he could do it you know be as technically sound be maybe the most technically sound you know um past defenders at the linebacker spot that is in the nfl because he has that work ethic and you know he's made really big leaps of progress before you know because he was just a three-star linebacker out of texas so you know there you go yeah no i i like the comparison though and then i'd say like i think that's his ceiling but i think his most realistic comparison the most realistic comparison for dakota allen is the lj fort kind of guy where I feel like with his hustle and with his motivation and with his being conservative and smart on the field, I think he'd be a great special teams player, whether that's on kickoff or whether that's on punt. And, you know, that that sounds like a slight, but it's really not. You need special teams guys that are going to make plays for you and that, you know, are going to make the smart plays because if one team beats you in special teams, they only have to beat you in one other area of the game to win the football game. It's kind of my eyes on special teams. So I think that a guy like Dakota Allen would be a huge contributor on special teams, you know, and I think that he could even make some Pro Bowls or, you know, just by racking up tackles on the special teams and being the guy that you trust even to like, you know, call what the punt or kickoff coverage is. I like that. I could see a lot of Tyler Manikovich. Kevich, sorry, the little the linebacker from the Steelers. I could see that as yeah. well. Well, yeah, a special I, I teamer. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. And they're important, you know, and I think that he's a guy who could really help out a special teams guy and be, you know, whether that's, I think, you know, he could even help out on return teams, you know, if he just goes out and hits somebody and he plays hard. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree with all that as well. Um, and, I mean, the the most telling thing is that he didn't make the team that he was drafted to. He didn't make the team that first picked him up. And he, while he did kind of make the team with the Jaguars, he played one game with them and got one tackle. Uh, So he probably played, I don't know, upwards of like 10 downs max, right, in that one game. Um, And that's probably when somebody was honestly having like just a little bit of stamina issues on the team so they subbed him in for a couple packages or something um so i think that i think that's incredibly telling at least as far as how he's not been able to take the success that he wanted into the nfl and been able to succeed in the nfl so far um that being said i don't think that it's impossible for him to succeed in the nfl i think he has the intelligence i think he has the 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 wherewithal and the 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 guts to work through it and i think that he can succeed but it's going to take work obviously and it's going to take somebody believing in him and giving him a shot rather than him kind of earning it at this point you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so that being said i think i don't know i have a couple pro comparisons for him i think the highest that i would say he could maybe work to is like an eric kendrick's type um, like, like a good, you know, a good solid middle linebacker could maybe make a Pro Bowl as as that middle linebacker, but probably more of a, I don't know, if he got faster, more of a cover linebacker and more of like a, a smash mouth style. 
Um, mm. Otherwise, I would say more like a Josie Jewel, somebody who's who's probably too slow to really be playing the position, um, but also too short to be too short or too not strong enough to be playing another position, you know. Um, but is a great guy, has a great mental game, knows where the ball is going, attacks the ball, and earns a spot because of that. You know, especially on on rundowns. So I think those would be at least the ceilings in my mind. Um, Josie Jewel maybe a bit of a floor as well, but Josie Jewel maybe has similar um, similar stuff in regards to the two players, but has a position, has a job, and sees games and gets tackles and whatnot. Um, so yeah, I think on a on a maybe if he goes to a a team that has a poorer linebacker room, he could he could work his way up to a starter, I think, if somebody believes in him. Alright. I mean, that's not bad at all. I mean, honestly, like I, I could believe in Dakota. I mean, I am going to believe in Dakota Allen. Like I wouldn't doubt this dude for one second, if I'm being honest, like he can make it happen. Um, but, you know, obviously there will be, there'll have to be some things that go his way. Like I kind of feel like at the same time, you already mentioned this, like there's just going to be things that he can't control, you know? Yeah. Like, he can't control who his coaches are sometimes. So, he just really needs a coach that could, you know, invest in him and, you know, maybe unlock something else in him. Because I think there's a little bit more there, to be honest. So, For sure. we'll have to see. And honestly, like, I'm just going to throw this out there. Dakota Allen's the type of player who, if he, you know, if he couldn't play football anymore, like pro football, that is, like, he would be more than okay. Because he's a very smart guy as well. Um, I can't find the degree he graduated with, but I know he has one. But he would more be more than okay, and he'd probably be an excellent coach. You know? so but we'll see. Right, and that's you know? I, that's we'll I think where uh, you know a lot of coaches come from is they they just they had the mental game and they had the physical game for quite a while, but then it it fell off in the NFL, and now they're oh. they're coaching because they understand the game perfectly and they know you know where they fell short so they know what needs to be seen oh no doubt it'll be all right either way um yeah i really would like to see him in a developmental league though whether it's the xfl or cufl because i think honestly at this point that might be more beneficial than him hopping from nfl team to nfl team because i feel like there's just not enough time when he's on nfl teams for short stints to really like learn something that's meaningful you know because it might honestly there just might not be that one-on-one time available so if he does go to the xfl or cfl where where it is a little bit more his level and you know he has the opportunities to learn a bit more and take his time i think that'll be much more beneficial yep i agree i agree completely sweet i i could even see him making a career in the xfl honestly Yes. And I don't think that'd be the worst thing in the world for Dakota Allen or in the CFL. So I mean, oh, he'll, he'll no. probably make more money with a career there than being paid, the, you know, the league minimum at the NFL level. Maybe I don't know. The league minimum's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> the league minimum's pretty good. 
Uh, it's only getting better, maybe. I don't know. It usually we'll, is. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll see, though, because, I mean, like, the way I'm thinking about it, say he goes to the XFL and he becomes, like, you know, the face of the XFL. I'm going to be honest, they're not going to be able to pay him a lot more money, but they might be able to give him something more valuable, like a stake in the company, you know? Maybe The Rock right. makes it happen because this is a smart guy. Like, he knows what he's doing, and to be honest, like, one day he probably could be a commissioner of a football league. I'm just you know i'm just being honest or maybe a player's representative i don't know something like that so that might be even you know a little bit more beneficial for him in the long run you know considering if he makes xfl good and you know helps them stabilize out there could be a lot of i mean this goes for anybody but there could be a lot of really good financial opportunities there for sure sure oh yeah absolutely right, well, that's all i got to say yeah, that's all I have on Dakota Allen. I obviously wish him the best. And, um, you know, we'll be keeping tabs on him. And uh, he'll succeed somewhere, somehow, in something. Yeah. yeah. That, no doubt, does it for this episode of Playmaker's Corner Podcast. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as far as social media goes. You can listen to this podcast and share it with your friends on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Anchor, as well as a plethora of others that you can find readily available on Anchor. And I believe on YouTube? Yes. Yes. I've been just told yes by Simon. So on YouTube as well, please share us with your friends. (laughs) Um, If you have any prospects that you'd like us to look at or any experiences in the juco realm or in the high school realm from a coach or player perspective or as a prospect perspective just let us know we'd love to have you on the show i've been cody stoffer (laughs) i am simon villanos and i was liam hughes thank you so much for joining us on episode two catch us on episode three